Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Eric, and with me is Kate, Kiwi, and BP. Hello. Hi. Hi. Today we're going to be playing Robotech Reconstruction, designed by Dr. Wicks, which is a pseudonym for a pair of designers, Aaron Hanzowitz and Austin Smokowitz. The artist is Francisco Eckhart. And it is published in 2021 by Strange Machine Games. The year is 2013. Only a handful of survivors remain scattered throughout the Earth. It is now two years after the cataclysmic war between the people of Earth and the Zentradi Zen, invaders. The destruction of the planet was overwhelming, with the vast pockmarked desolation where great cities and beautiful forests once stood. The valiant survivors have found the strength to rebuild. But what will form on this new world? The mechanics are area majority influence, negotiation, trading, variable phase order, and variable player powers. And Kate, the box art. Okay, so it looks like maybe a movie poster style. There's a large robot in the middle of a futuristic looking city. There's a sunset behind it or a sunrise. I mean, it's hard to tell. Mm-hmm. We don't know if we're facing east or west. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that there are still cars in this futuristic place where obviously there's this huge robot creature, but don't worry, they're still just automobiles. Maybe those aren't cars. Maybe those are like drone transportation units. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we can't tell from here, but they could be like hovering maybe. And that makes it uh, future and uh, I would guess that maybe it's a sunrise because it's supposed to be a reconstruction. So it's supposed to be like a rebirth. Artistically speaking, perhaps it's a sunrise vice a sunset. That seems like some art history bullshit that I'm, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not keen on. Wow. Wow. Coming from you. Yeah. Yeah. I said some smart shit that I hate when people say so. All right. Uh, uh, yeah. So based on this, would you pull it off a shelf? BP? Uh, I mean, I was into Robotech for a little while. So uh I mean, the Robotech brand, uh, although trying to remember all the mechanics doesn't seem quite too interesting, but it might be one I notice and leave there. Kate? Mm, I don't think so, actually. Yeah. Um, it's not really a theme that grabs me. Yeah. Um, can you go back to the mechanics? We got uh, negotiation, trading. Yeah. No, nothing there that really yeah. grabs me either. Yeah, I I don't know that I would either. Uh, I know Robotech a little. I know of Robotech, and you know me and nostalgia. Don't get grabbed by the nostalgic games. Um, I like the box art though. I think that's kind of cool. Uh, the art style is really neat, especially with a artistic interpretation of Kiwi. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the mecha- mechanics, I negotiation trading are kind of interesting, um, but uh, area majority influence. I guess hit or miss, right? We like Bosk, but a lot of like the people on map type games aren't aren't uh, ones I've loved. So, uh, Kiwi? Yeah, I would I would pick this up. I really really like Robotech. I remember like racing home in order to watch it on on Toonami on uh, Cartoon Network back in the day when they when they played it. And 
oddly enough, like maybe like a month or two ago, I was like, man, I really want to find episodes of that and watch it again because I really <laughs> love Robotech. I mostly remember Robotech from you tell, like trying to get me to play Robotech <laughs> RPGs and stuff. Yes, I had Robotech RPG books like to be able to play Robotech like more. So, uh, yeah, I, I really like Robotech. So and I, I think, think that's like, the first most- time someone's like, oh, you got to watch this, but you got to watch it with uh, uh, subs because that's just the superior way. And I was like, I'm not reading this. And I never watched it. Uh, I I don't know. I've never watched this one with subtitles. I've only ever watched yeah. the the English speaking one. No. And I may have made that up, but I'm gonna blame. Yeah, that's yeah. why I hate. I was gonna say that's why I hate anime. <laughs> but um. yeah, no. Uh, although BP is definitely a you have to watch this with subs. You can't watch it with trans. But I. But I think I, when I, I was really smaller. Care. I think we just got all the English versions when we were smaller. Yeah, I'm just mostly too lazy to do subs because it's like when I watch stuff, like I just want it kind of in the background. I tried to watch Narcos on Netflix because it's all in Spanish, but it's all in Spanish. So to understand anything, you have to actually read the subtitles. It's like, I don't want to pay attention to this. I just want it on the background. Exactly. And then you got to like read and then you can't watch a thing. And then I got to like, oh, I missed stuff. Yeah. (laughs) You guys. Yeah, no, he's it's true. I can't, you can't not pay attention. All right. How do you think it's played, Kate? No. Area majority influence. We're trying to no. rebuild. Ooh, I haven't read the rules. I can actually play along in this one. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Yeah. So uh, we've got people invading. We're the yep. survivors. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're the survivors. So we're just trying to out survive our other survivors. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe there's like some like post-apocalypse type of thing where we're we're also trying to collect supplies in order to build things. Yeah. There's limited supplies. Do we collect people? You never collect people. Well, you can collect people. Like recruiting people. Yeah. Recruit. Uh, recruit is different than collect. <laughs> I don't think so. I think if you have a baseball team and you're a manager, you're collecting people to be on your team. Yeah. <laughs> it's all. It's I mean, semantics. You're paying semantics. You're paying yeah. Them, semantics. But, yeah. Negotiation and treating. So, so let's say that BP has monopolized the banana sector and Kiwi really wants bananas and Kiwi has monopolized the um, water sector. And so Kiwi and BP negotiate a trade for bananas for water. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I like that. So it's all going to be nego- So we're all going to go get resources and we're going to have to trade with each other. This actually mm-hmm. sounds like a pleasant game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be a lot more shooting each other than that, but. And variable player power. So BP is much more efficient at consuming bananas and therefore. Consuming bananas? Consuming bananas. Yeah, she's consuming the, she bananas. eats them so well. Them. <laughs> yeah, um, she actually, she she is not human. She's maybe an alien race that works better with increased amounts of potassium. Yeah, for sure. Do we get a robot or are we all trying to get the robot? I don't know. So so this the robot that we see on the pack and on the box is SDF1, the super dimensional fortress one. It, it looks very big. I don't think I should have that at the start of the game. Yeah. I feel like it looks uh and, downed. And it well, in this particular time period, uh it's actually gonna be there as sort of a monument. Uh, oh, I got it. We're all yeah. competing to get the it's like there's one robot, right? And that's what we're competing for. So we're not really like we want to be who can get the most resources to get our robot started, like the most bananas to run the robot. And then that's how you win the game is you you run the robot. On bananas. The, ro- the robot runs off Mr. Fusion from 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 uh, Back to the so Future. That's like really what we're competing for. Like victory condition is going to be the person who gets the robot working. 
Okay. Okay. I like it. All right. History of uh, Robotech, PP. I'm actually doing the, the yeah, history of this really time. Wanted to yeah, do it. I, I wanted to give her some a chance to not have to worry about things. So I'm going to I'm going to cover <laughs> some of the history that that we not of Robotech, but kind of timeline stuff that puts mm-hmm. us where we're at right now. Okay. So, uh, so Robotech history. Yeah. So in the 1990s, so the Gulf War has happened because some of the characters actually have experience in the Gulf War. Okay. Uh, so we're talking the first Gulf War. Uh, I watched it on TV. But at the end of the end of that Gulf War, instead of like things kind of going per our timeline, uh, there's like all, all kinds of global conflicts, like countries are fighting each other. Countries have internal conflicts and it's just like embroiled the entire planet. It sounds like it's real basically life. Fine, but it's but it's worse. Oh, OK. Uh so in 1999, though, uh, alien ship comes out of hyperspace and crash lands on an island called Macross Island. That's just mm-hmm. it's an uninhabited island in the Pacific Ocean. Uh, the United Nations declares a ceasefire. I'm assuming they did it the whole time. Like we're in this global conflict. Just nobody was listening. Mm-hmm. And then this alien ship crash lands and then people start listening and everybody goes to investigate this wreckage. And around it, uh, this whole new like town, like they the island becomes inhabited and this city by, by whom by humans humans oh. uh, with all the people investigating and uh, mm. checking out everything. So they get what's called robo technology and they start building all of these new devices. So, so one of the things that we get is Veritech fighters, mm-hmm. which is uh, they, most of them look like F-14s, mm-hmm. uh, but they can change into the, so they have an airplane mode, they have robot mode where they can turn into giant mecha or a, a biped humanoid robots. And then they also have guardian mode where they're just planes with legs and arms. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Uh, and then they eventually rebuild SDF-1 because that's the air, that's the alien ship that's crashed and landed. And so it's kind of a mix of like human and robo technology. And when we initially see it, it looks like an aircraft carrier. So the day that they're going to launch this thing and it, everybody's all excited, the, the Zentradi show up. They were sent by the Robotech masters to retrieve this ship because uh, it was taken by somebody named Zor, who was like a rebel Robotech master. Uh, so the Zentradi show up. SDF-1 sort of like turns itself on and defends itself. Uh, that episode is actually called Booby Trap. Um, and so they, they end up uh, taking off and defending themselves against this Zentradi uh, attack. And then they go to ex- execute a, a hyperspace fold, but they do it too close to the planet. So they actually take uh, Macross City with them oh. and they do a hyperspace jump and come out of hyperspace near Pluto. So then they're trying to rescue all these people from Macross Island that they brought with them uh, and like get them back into SDF-1. Are they just floating in space? Some of them are. Some of them like ended up like inside the ship. It's like a weird, like not everybody died, but there was a lot of people. They ended up like inside SDF-1. So that's called the Battle of Macross Island. And that starts the first Robotech War. So then in May 2009, the so then SDF-1 starts making their way back from Pluto Mm -hmm. to Earth. Uh, in May of 2009, the Zentradi attacked the SDF-1 after it transforms. So, like, they're starting to do all this research on SDF-1 to try and figure out, like, what it can do. And one of the things they figure out that it can do is it can transform into a giant robot. So that giant robot that we see on the front of the box is 
SDF one in its mm-hmm. in its robot form. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's another attack, and it's uh, near Saturn, and so <clears throat> that's when we get the the Battle of Saturn's Rings, and then they continue on the way to Earth. Uh, the Zentradi ambush them again near Mars in October of 2009, uh, but SDF one is actually damaged in that ambush, but they survive. Uh, and while orbiting Mars, they're attacked again. Uh, by a leader named Chiron, who's like their kind of bloodthirsty, like do whatever it takes to win kind of guy. But he was specifically told by Commander Britai, who's in charge of the Zentradi, hey, don't don't attack. So Chiron attacks anyway. So uh, Britai takes manual control of all the pods, all the battle pods, and forces them away because he wants to take SDF-1 intact. Right. So March of 2010, SDF-1 arrives back to Earth, uh, but unfortunately, like nobody in Macross City, nobody wants to take the the survivors of Macross City like off SDF-1. Uh, at one point, they're going to go to Ontario, and then like a bunch of Ontario explodes. So then Ontario is like, ah, no, we don't want anybody. Uh, so then SDF-1 has to like return to orbit, and they're kind of there for about a year. And then in April of 2011, the whole Zentradi Imperial Grand Fleet attacks. Uh, in that time period, the humans built the Grand Cannon at uh, the Alaska base, and they it destroys a large portion of the fleet. It's also called the uh, the uh, uh, the Zentradi Holocaust because. Mm. The entire Zentradi fleet is destroyed, uh, and then SDF one comes and basically like finishes them off. But the, the it was a pyroric a pyric uh, victory, uh, so like they won, but they really didn't win. So Earth is like seventy percent of it is destroyed, um, just basically uninhabitable. So you have like the small thirty percent. A large portion of you know humans on Earth are killed, uh, and this kind of this ends the first Robotech war uh, at this point. But a lot of Zentradi survivors who survived that battle end up on Earth and they kind of form their own uh, like groups, uh, including Chiron. Uh, and then we have what's called the Malcontent Uprising. So first Robotech War ends. We start with the Zentradi uh, uprisings. And then that's kind of where we're at right now. Those would last for about two years, um, at which point Chiron is killed. Uh trying to attack SDF-1. He succeeds in destroying SDF-1, mm. but Chiron's killed in, in the attack. Um, and so this game is kind of, we're set right in the middle of the Malcontent uprisings, and we're about 15 years prior to the second Robotech War, which was against the Robotech Masters. And this is all over a thing called protoculture, which the reason why the Robotech monsters wanted Masters wanted the, the, the ship that crashed is there was rumors that the, the protoculture was on it. Earthling or the humans eventually call it uh, the flower of life because it helps regrow and uh, earth essentially. Mm. Uh, so but that's what the Robotech monster masters want. I don't know why I keep calling them monsters because they are monsters, I guess, in a roundabout way. Uh, so, yeah, so that's the background to where we're at right now uh, in the game. Do you think we're going to need to remember all that to play? Because I'm going to need a. I'm going to need a just, recap. A, a yeah, smart, just, just, smart just, re- just refer back to the, the show notes. Yeah, I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so how do we play? We are the leaders of the Robotech Defense Force, the Robotech Expeditionary Force, the Anti-Unification League, and the 
Zentradi Rebellion. So over the course of four rounds, we are trying to meet our individual goals. The RDF wishes to make the Zentradi civilians content. The REF are looking to secure territory. The Zentradi want to turn the Zentradi civilians back into warriors. And the Anti-Unification League is trying to control cities. The player who is able to meet their win condition is the winner. Uh, just covering so that players are encouraged to make plans with and against one another. Uh, table talk must be done at the table, so we can't go off into other rooms for secret plans. And the deals are non-binding, so trust no one. The first player for each round is dictated by the game, so whoever plays the Robotech Defense Force will start the game going first. During the round, turn order will be dictated by the cards played, and each player will conduct their turn in the following order. So, the first step is optional. You can trade an event card with another player, uh, and it has to be a one-for-one -one swap, and obviously you both have to agree. Then you're going to play an event card. So you're going to play a card from your hand and you're going to put it below your marker on the bottom of the board, which designates that it's your turn. And then um, the next player is listed on the reaction column. So on the side, there's going to be the four symbols for each of the factions. Uh, so we'll start at the top um, and we'll put a chip for the next event slot. Uh, on the board that equals to the uh, the topmost faction. Uh, if that faction is already gone, then we'll just move to the next faction. The faction that the card belongs to, so there'll be a symbol up in the top left, uh, then executes the actions in the white box. Um, if the faction is not the one whose turn it is, then they may play the faction or action in the black box if they wish. So if the RDF plays a Zentradi card, then the Zentradi will do all of the things in the white box, and then they can, if they wish, uh, do the uh, action that's in the black box. So after they have played their event card and the event card has been played out, they the current player will then take command. So what does that mean? It means that uh, the current player gets an action, and if they played an event card that belonged to another faction, they'll also get a second action and the opportunity to do one of their two special actions. So each of the factions will generally have the following actions. Some may be normal and others special, so it's uh, dependent on your faction. Uh, the cost requirements and method are going to be different for each faction, and they're listed on their faction board. Uh, so we're not going to go over those um, here, but we'll go over them uh, later. So the faction, the actions that you'll find on every for every faction are move, influence, re recruit, income, and attack. And then the AOU uh, will also have a build action, while the other three factions will have a flip action. Uh, finally, once complete with actions, uh, they draw a card and play moves to the next faction. Oh, uh, backing up, uh, you you can do the same action twice, um, and you can do just special actions. You can do just normal actions. Uh, the only stipulation is is uh, once you start an action, you must finish it uh, before moving to the next action. So if you do say a move and a recruit, you can't move some stuff and then recruit some stuff and then go back to moving some stuff. Uh, that would technically be a third action at that point, and that's not allowed. So 
some additional things about the game. So territory control is done by adding up all the RDF and REF units and their heroes in a territory or zone and comparing, comparing that to a combination of Zentradi and ALU units and heroes. The side with the most has control of that territory or zone. And if there's a tie, the territory or zone is uncontrolled. Um, for combat, the attacker does not lose any units and the defender gets to choose which units come off the board. At the end of each round, we check for victory, uh, except in the first round. So you can't win in the first round. Uh, each player then executes their income action. If a player has control of a zone with protoculture, they're going to gain three protoculture. If uh, no one controls it or it's tied, the RDF is the tiebreaker and they get the protoculture instead. The Zentradi and the RDF then get to execute their influence action. Uh, all overt mechs and Chiron uh, return to the Zentradi hideout. The defense force moves all their units back to a city they control or to Macross City. And then the REF and AUL can do the recruit action. Any heroes removed from the board are returned to their starting locations. And the RDF and uh, Zentradi get a new event card based on the next round. Finally, the event timeline is clear and the round tracker is advanced and the next board right next round is played uh, and there's a round tracker that will follow through that gets, has all those steps uh, on it when we complete each round so if the Centradi achieve their victory condition, they win immediately. Uh, the other three factions must have their victory condition met at the end of the round when we do the round check portion of the end of round uh, phase. And then the other, um, if the two factions meet their victory condition in the same round, the player who went first in the round is the winner. So basically, uh, they had more opportunities for someone to mess up their win. And if they got through all of that, then obviously their win means more than the other player. Uh, and if no faction has met their victory condition, then two factions win a minor victory. Uh, so basically, we're going to compare the victory condition state between the RDF and the AO AUL, and then the REF and the Zentradi. And whichever is higher between those pairs gains a minor victory. Um, so there will always be uh, two. And uh, those are all the rules. Uh, hi, my name is Austin Smokowitz. I'm one half of Dr. Witz. Um, the co my co-designer on this is Aaron Fonzowitz. You've been talking with him. My question was, uh, so I take it just from your response to Kiwis that you're a little bit of a Robotech fan. But I mean, what was your kind of, I guess, motivation in designing this type of game in the first place? Is it just you know, love of Robotech or was it from a mechanical standpoint? Like, I don't know. What what was your kind of inspiration for this in particular? Um, so this is, uh, this is an interesting story. So as a game designer, uh, one of the hardest things to do is to get prototypes play tested, which is one of the hardest things to do. And I, so I live in the, I live in Washington, D.C. I'm in the Mid-Atlantic region. And there's a bunch of small um, publishing, uh, you know, uh, publishing companies, and they need people to play test games. So I was going to a meetup where once a month we would people would get together and we'd play test each other's games. And this was a good 
way for you know these publishers to get their games play tested and it's a good thing for like independent designers like aaron and i to get our games play tested and in one of those meetups i uh, ended up meeting the owners of strange machine games and who is the publishers of, of robotech reconstruction and they had told me you know they had mentioned like yeah we have we have the robotech license but i'm also a fan of anime so i'm like well it's definitely worth checking it out I watched the show and I came back and I'm like, because I watched it with my gamer brain on, because that was kind of like where it came from, because that's how mm-hmm. you know I watched the show in the first place. I came back to him and I'm like, okay, I got two game ideas out of this. There's, there's some stuff. And I described the first one and he says, no, 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 we already have that. That's attack on the SDF one. We already do that. It's like, okay, cool. And then I described the basis of Robotech reconstruction. And he was like, okay, get, get a prototype together and, and we'll, we'll take a look. You know, we'll, we'll see if it's any good. So Aaron and I start cracking away at it. And that's this. So like this game design is very much show first, right? We're dealing with only a specific nine episodes because as I'm watching the show, I'm like, oh my goodness, here's Chiron. He's an insurgent. He's committing acts of terror. And the Robotech Defense Force really needs to be doing a counterinsurgency strategy to keep the civilian population in this, the Zentradi civilian population in line, but they don't really recognize it as such. So here's a little spoiler alert for an anime from the 80s, but in this, in the actual show, the AUL wins Mm -hmm. (laughs) in Mm -hmm. the actual show. Um, Everybody else kind of fails in their in their pursuits and it actually really sets up the next season of the show and it's just i just thought it was such an interesting scenario situation that it's like oh yeah this can be played out because the that time period everything in this game happens over only one year of time so it's like everything's very fluid this could have turned out through six different ways uh you know the whole thing could have ended up differently and it's like that would be fun to game out here Uh, in a board game. And so uh, that's where, because it's a counterinsurgency, of course, was looking at the uh, GMT counterinsurgency series, but obviously doing, you know, obviously making it, like I said, show first. So this is, if if anybody has played a coin game, this is still a coin light or a coin adjacent or a coin-ish game because it's not exactly coin. It doesn't use the same base mechanisms even though there's a lot of things you'll be like oh yeah this is similarly here similarly there but it's all handled but it is handled differently because again you know we're not associated with gmt that they had nothing they, they had nothing to do with with this they had nothing to do with the actual implementation of this but we've been finding you know we've we've been reaching out to the coin community mm-hmm. people who play these games and we're finding that they've they've liked it too as a good intro game mm. uh into you know as a good intro game because well, this is a lighter weight game because we are marketing to robotech fans mm-hmm. and we have to assume that they've never played a war game before so while as you can see this is there's there's a lot of stuff going on here but it's not you know it's we, we've tried to make it as accessible as possible in order to cover this this bit of content. We just finished a game of Robotech Reconstruction. 
to recap, <clears throat> I was playing the Robotech Defense Force and I had four content Zentari citizens. Kate was playing the Anti-Unification League, which had control of one city. Kiwi was playing the Zentradi Rebellion, which had six Zentradi citizens. And BP with the Robotech Expeditionary Force, one with control of eight territories. Uh, winning strategy, BP. I really almost was going to jump the gun on you and say, do not ask me a winning strategy. <laughs> uh, I think your winning strategy was let me expand and get a bunch of territories. Except I think I got most of them myself, actually. Thank you very much. I think we we're about even because I had four cities. Oh, okay. I think you guys were about even. Okay. Yeah. I mean, honestly, anybody who kind of wins this game is because other people let them. I mean, it's just the nature of it because you're sort mm -hmm. of pushing and pulling. And I was just dumb and didn't realize that um, every time I expanded that it I could me, win. Basically. Yeah, yeah. I don't I think anybody expect. Just... I don't think anybody expected me to win. Let's just be honest. I mean, it's not that it's that you won. It's that you know I was focused on the my win condition was getting citizens, and Kiwi was the against my win condition. So I was focused on citizens and how I could get more of those, and I just wasn't paying attention to territory control stuff. Anybody else strategy? Kiwi? I was trying to do like surgical strikes. Just drop in, grab a bunch of citizens, and dash out. Uh, and it, I wasn't getting enough money. Uh, so it didn't really work out the way I wanted it to. Yeah, it's kind of hard because like when you get the citizens, you keep them. But when I got them, like they, they were still there. So like I would be like, OK, I got these four people happy. And then the next turn, like you would take them all. And I'd be like, well, let me go find four more people. Yeah. Yeah, I think like I kind of what you had been saying, I think one of the biggest strategies potentially for winning was making sure the other s people were not winning. Which is weird because most of the stuff that you needed, you needed somebody else's help in order to make it happen mm -hmm. almost. Yeah, I, I guess I didn't really realize because I was just trying to control as many territories as I could. Like I didn't realize Eric was also like, controlling territories, which I guess was great. I really didn't pay attention to that either. I just wanted to make sure Kate did not have cities because that would have been the worst. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I was trying to find Kiwi so I could blow him up. Uh, the theme. Kate, what did you think? Did you feel like <laughs> you were... Um... Uh, no, I, I, don't, I have no idea what I was doing. So I think I'd more be curious to know, like, what maybe BP and Kiwi thought of the theme? But uh, as somebody, fans of Robo have you, you've never seen Robotech. No. Right? So, so somebody who's never seen Robotech, does the theme appeal to you? So that's yeah, that's why I would push it back to people who know the show. For me, I was like, yeah, I, I don't know the show, so none of this really means anything to me. So I'm wondering if I was a fan of the show, if I would really be into the theme. Okay, fan of the show Kiwi. There, I don't think there's anything there, like mechanically that fits into the theme. Like, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I would say that like mechanically, I, I don't think there's anything that brought me into the theme, but I thought the cards, the art, um, you know, that's where the theme really came through. And I felt like some of the elements of play, like the way the Zentradi Rebellion played, I definitely felt like I was a, I don't want to say terrorist because I mean, right. that's essentially right. what they are, but like, you know, there were elements of that where I, I definitely felt like there were, I had to do things kind of underhandedly in order to 
get my win condition because that I didn't have the resources or the forces to be able to do it any other way. Um, so I, I felt like that's where the theme came out, but I feel like you probably could have put it almost any IP or any kind of something well, on top of this. You would have had it depend if it, if it's the case that there were, you know, four factions with sort of different goals and different approaches, then I wouldn't say there's a lot of IPs that have that. It's usually mm-hmm. like Star Wars Empire Rebellion mm-hmm. or that's what I was thinking. I can think of a handful of, of yeah. yeah, I can think of a handful of others that might have more than two. But I feel like there's not many IPs that have like four factions with different goals all in one thing. So I can kind of see why uh, that could fit. I don't really know Robotech very well, but um, it kind of makes sense to me if if that's the case. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I th- I, I agree with Kiwi. I think a lot of the play and even like the event cards and how they played out really did fit in with the with the cartoon and the theme. Um, I think. Uh, hearing the explanation helped for it to feel like even the mechanics and the theme fit more together. Um, Otherwise I feel like it it, it is just very much like an area control. But again, the way the factions work out, the way the cards play out, um, you get a lot of that flavor. And especially if you are, uh, a Robotech fan, or you're just remembering from your childhood shows. <laughs> um, and I think, again, kind of listening to the explanation behind the design did help me, at least, as a person just kind of trying to get into these types of tactical games. Uh, table presence, BP. Um, yeah, so again, uh, if you are familiar with the uh, cartoon, the anime, I guess, um, yeah, it's got all the art. Um, it looked, uh, I mean, at first, just so many pieces that it was uh, from, again, someone who's not very into these kinds of very strategic tactical games was a little overwhelming at first. But um, the okay, luckily, care. Uh, Kiwi had the uh, rule book up. And so like that really helped in trying to break down what was going on with all of the components. Um, But again, it's got that great classical 80s cartoon um, Robotech style to it. So I feel like most people who would be into Robotech and into an area control game would stop and turn their heads and probably just about anybody. But I don't think many people would stop and really watch for a long time unless they were into the Robotech. So I think not really knowing Robotech, a lot of the locations and things just look sort of like a near sci-fi-ish. They didn't really scream Robotech to me, which is fine for appeal to other people. What I liked is, so comparing this to Bonfire, which also had a lot of stuff going on, that board felt like they wanted to cover every inch of space with stuff. And this board had a lot more like breathing room. Like there were a lot of tokens out, but there was also like a lot of art underneath it that like you could see and appreciate. Um, So I like that for a game that has a lot of stuff, it still felt like there was like a good amount of art to at least draw your eye to compared to some other games that we've played. 
Yeah, I, I agree with what both of you guys said. I was also going to throw out, I, I feel like the, and, and he said it when we talked to him afterwards, you know, that the cards are, are all from scenes and elements that happened during the actual show. Uh, and I thought they did a really good job of like theming the card and picking the right screenshot from the show. And I felt like, you know, for the most part, the the thing that you did also fit with the title and the picture. Um, so it makes it like you almost want to look at things a little bit more just to, and, and maybe that might be more of like the, you know, I really like Robotech. So I was looking at the pictures more and remembering like, oh yeah, that's from that scene. Um, kind of going back to Kate's point of, you know, is it, is it something that is going to be mean more to a Robotech mm-hmm. fan than just someone who's never seen Robotech? Overall, I, I, I like the table presence. I did think that the the board and the cards did have some cool art, even as an, a non-fan, like the cards were, mm-hmm. I could still appreciate the cards and stuff. I found a little bit, I found some of the tokens and symbols a little too similar to help me in playing. Um, I could understand why they would be similar, like our, I guess our yep. symbol looked very similar. But like when I wanted to like look at the board and like know who was in control, yeah, sometimes I would miss that. Yep. Um. So, but yeah, but the other side of the coin is that they should be similar because of the whatever reason. Yeah, but, it's like based on if that's their symbol. For yeah, the show, well, you can't yeah. really do anything about that. So I don't know if like maybe playing it uh, physically would have helped. I'm sure it always helps. Mechanics, Kiwi. What did you think of mechanics? Uh, So I really liked the card play aspect to it because it really made you decide, like, is is giving somebody else the ability to do something worth getting two actions and not just two actions, but access to your special actions. So it really like, you know, you know, I played that one special card that I got thinking that I would get one an additional normal action, but you don't. And I feel like. I don't know if it would have changed what I did, but it definitely would have made me think more about it in the future. So I I really liked that. And then I really liked how much the sides were tied to each other as well. Mm -hmm. So like the fact that the REF and the RDF, both of all of your units combined to give control, but the RDF player doesn't necessarily want the REF to have control. Mm -hmm. And the same thing for the AOU and the and the Zentradi. Like I need I needed help from Kate as the AOU to do what I needed to do, but I didn't want Kate to have control of cities. Right. So I thought that was a super interesting like interaction and, and mechanic to kind of tie all that stuff together. Probably in thinking about it from the show aspect. I mean, the AOU probably really wouldn't want your help on absolutely everything yeah and and i don't i haven't got back to those that part of the the season yet so like i (laughs) don't necessarily remember all of it but uh you know it could be one of those things where it's just like the ends justifies the means so if they get what they want they'll help those entrati where they need to but just like an enemy of your enemy kind of thing yeah Yeah. but based on like the 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 personalities that are in charge of those entrati forces like chiron was you know, adamantly opposed to anything non-Zentradi. Yeah. So, you know. Um, can I talk about mechanics? Yeah. Look at me talking about mechanics. We haven't started I... yet. <laughs> the cards. Speaking of the cards. Yep. And enemies are not trading. Being able to trade cards. Yeah, which I think we did 
We did once and we did make some deals. About we made some deals. Yeah. You and I made a deal and then Eric and I actually did trade cards. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is one thing that would be a lot better in person. It's a little trickier to mm. do. Um, not at a table. But um, yeah, I, I thought that's a fun aspect. And I think that's something that would, as you play more, would come out more as you kind of understand. Like, yeah. you know, the first few rounds, it's like, I don't even know what to ask for or yeah. anything. Yeah. But like what happened towards the end is I was I had a card that was really, really good for my action, but I didn't mm-hmm. want to play it myself. Right. So that's right. why I tried to get it to BP because I thought she's my closest ally. So she could eventually play that. And I mean, it didn't come up because the game ended. But um, like, that's why I was like, I just this is a good card, but I don't want to have it. I want it to be somebody who would probably play it and help me, which would be BP. So I, I like that aspect, too. Mm hmm. And then my other thing, so I, I agree with Kiwi in that, like, the way the cards work was really cool. And then I, another just little thing was I liked how the cards determined player order, like, who went yeah. next. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really cool concept. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we've played anything that has done that. Have it, yeah, almost, I, I can't think almost of it. so random because, like you're more focused on what the actions are than thinking about then who gets to go next. But I, I think like, yeah, like Eric said, like if you play a little bit more, I yeah. feel like that would also go into your calculus. So there's another thing that makes you go like, okay, I'm going to do this, but I don't want this person going after me. Right. I need them going later. Um, yep. Yeah. Which is interesting. And I thought of that mm-hmm. once. I think I played to make sure Kate went next. Cause I thought she was going to do something. I don't think it was. I forgot what I even was thinking by that point. But at one point, I had a thought around that, and then it didn't pan out. Was uh, it related to when you wanted to move? Like, yeah, when I, who I wanted to go next, and who, what I thought, like I thought you were going to move people a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think by the time I played it, I already forgot. There was so much to think about that I, I had a lot of ideas that just didn't go anywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because you almost might want to have somebody with like a lot of or a lot of money go after somebody with a little bit of money, mm-hmm. especially if the two. Because like if the Zentradia Rebellion has a little bit of money, you don't want them going after the ALU because the ALU might gain control of places that then would let the Zentradi come in and and get some stuff for a little bit cheaper than they would have if they go first. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. what, honestly, what, we let BP go last when she had the closest yeah. win condition. Uh, so yeah, we probably should have made her go early in the round so that so we, we could stop her. Yeah. But uh, so like things like that, that I think probably play a big impact that we just didn't even get into yet so kate i remember like at the beginning and when we when we all talk about mechanics you're always really focused on how the area majority control thing works how did you feel that that then ended up playing out was it up to your expectations did it seem pretty clear cut yeah i think it was oddly i want to say that it was similar to brew in the way that you could think you could control something and then like yeah someone can come one step later somebody just not totally knocked it out and be like all right well that's that's done yeah this is i feel like there's two types of area control you've got like bosk where it's sort of building right you're one person puts stuff down the next person puts stuff down it's just sort of like layering on and you can kind of see who where it's going at any time but it doesn't really just rapidly change and then you've got games like brew or this where it's like what the way it is once like i think at one point like kate had five things for her victory condition and then like 30 seconds later she had zero yeah yeah like it just like it swings like a pendulum like crazy yeah Um, so this is a much more like swinging kind of game where like you can be like 
I'm about to win. And then you're like, I've got enough. Like, that's where I was. Like, Kiwi took four of my people, like, in one turn. I was like, well, <laughs> back yeah. to the start. But that really screwed me because I had, like, no money for the rest of the rounds. Yeah. That was, like, the one thing I could do. And and when I did it, I was like, ah, this probably isn't smart, but I'm doing it anyway. That's kind of how yeah. I felt that first round. It was like, I could go hard and just, like, go drop all of this. But I feel like it's too early in the game for that. Uh, rules. Uh, Kiwi, how was it learning the game? <laughs> uh, it was great because I didn't have to. No, I, I mean, this is one of those games where, like, I had... It, Kind of like Root, like my concern with Root was there's oh, just so much yeah. and every and not only not only is there so much, but everything is different. So you like have to teach. So I feel like it lends itself to a much longer teach than uh not that he did a bad job. He was definitely right, thorough yeah. and covered everything. I just think uh teaches like that aren't super conducive to our playgroup just because of the learning style for everybody. For most of us. Yeah. I mean, Eric and I have are, are always pretty much determined, and I feel like Kate is falling into the same thing where we, we really are the hands-on, and so... Yeah, I don't know if it would be possible for this one, but I really would have liked this to be a game where there's a tutorial scenario. Yeah, I think any complex game gets rough, especially... I mean, it's like you said, it's the same with Root, where you had to sort of, like, teach each player their own things. It, it is nice that, like, we... All the factions have <clears throat> kind of like the same action types and then they just differ in what they do and how they do it. But um, it's a lot of information and it took uh, most of the game, I think, to kind of figure out what I should even be trying to do. I feel like just strategy, like beyond rules, just the strategy of the game took took a while to pick up. And even by the end, I was like, well, I should have been stopping BP, too, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Player interaction. Um, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's a area control for factions vying for power game. So like, um, so yeah, you're definitely trying to figure out what other people are doing and, and how they're going to affect you making deals, things like that. Um, and then the cards were another big part of like, okay, it's not, you know, you're going to act on other people's turns too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so that was all obviously pretty interactive. Um, yeah, you couldn't quite just check out even if it wasn't your turn. You had to still stay into play. But you also couldn't plan too far ahead because <laughs> it would totally change by the time it was actually your turn to execute things. Yep. And um, interestingly, for, a, for kind of a war game, like there was one, one combat action I mm -hmm. took. Mm -hmm. the whole game so everything else is it's not a very combat a game it's a lot more about moving pieces around and control and and influence number number games and things like that yeah which is where that you know you can't bring it up coin games the the few coin games that i've played uh that is very much the thing um i mean coin itself lends it to it is hard to have actual real life combat in a counterinsurgency aspect because the whole reason why you're fighting uh, counterinsurgents is because they lack the usually technology. It's not and possibly a, a manpower thing that they have to utilize different tactics. Mm -hmm. And I mean, 
it used to be called, uh, you know, unconventional warfare mm-hmm. uh, was another name for it. And, you know, it, it's it, it goes away from the force on force, you know, two two giant Waterloo, elements going yeah. against each other into you know elements that are kind of go outside that box. So I, I felt like thematically, and that and that's where they're coming up with the you know this is a a coin light game, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, because of that. And what I think is interesting, because like compared to Root, like I like that there wasn't dice rolling because like in Root, it's like, OK, you make all these big plans and then you roll poorly or they roll lucky. And like I like that if you could basically you wouldn't just lose your turn by trying to do like something. And then when you did a combat action, you just nothing happened because you rolled poorly. So. Uh. So I have a question about that, because I think. One thing about Root was the fact that you guys had three, right? So mm-hmm. do you think that there was anything? <laughs> um, what do you guys think about this game and the four factions? Having, so do you think if one of the factions was missing or two? Yeah, right, because that's we did count. bring that up during Root because the raccoon was the one in Root that we didn't play with because there, we only had the three. Yeah, the Vagabond. Mm-hmm. I, I think it would be interesting because the the one side would definitely have an advantage over the others because, you know, one side, you know, because if REF and RDF are playing together, they get mm-hmm. to combine. Mm-hmm. Whereas if someone's playing Zentradi or uh, the other yeah, one, well. you know, you're not. So it might be something where I need to like, I'm going to go back and, and look at the rule book again. And it might be something where it says like, hey, for a three player, you know, one of Do them plays this. both factions mm-hmm. or yeah. there's or there's a bot involved that plays that fourth unplayed. At, uh, I will say, like comparing to Root, I did not feel I feel like in, I think I said in Root, I felt frustrated most of the game. Right. I didn't feel that in this one. I, right. I thought I, and it might just be a perception of balance, but I felt it was more balanced. Like it felt like we were all sort of like making progress towards our goal and then we'd have setbacks. But like it wasn't as like in Groot where I'm like, like I, I felt like, you know, an entire three rounds of trying to get something done just just failed. So because of uh, Kiwis. Yeah, I, I agree with Eric on that one. I, I never felt frustrated and at all in this one. Uh, would you play it again, BP? I OK, so to be honest, since I wouldn't have picked it up, uh, and especially during the uh, teach, I would have said no. Um, I almost am leaning more towards a yes, just based on some of our discussion afterwards has has made me reconsider. So, yes. Yeah. OK. <laughs> uh, Kate, would you play it again? I don't know. I think this one falls into one of those cases where like to answer the actual question, what I played again might be a yes. But if I'm thinking of the question, like, did I just enjoy that experience? That's a no. <laughs> um, so I am going to be the harsh critic here <laughs> for this one. I I think it just goes back to like how like learning the game, like in that, like it, it took the entire game to try to figure out what was going on and so maybe i'd want to play it again to like come from a a place of better understanding and then and then have a better experience at it yeah i think it's the most confused i've seen you with a game and this is (laughs) i mean it's a very different i don't think you've played anything like it because you didn't play root with us Mm -hmm. um but it was also hard because i wanted to help you and say what i would do but it's kind of like 
Yeah, because that was the thing is like I wanted to ask more questions, but I didn't because I don't know, because the nature of the game. Yeah, it's it's a hard one to get help with when you're playing against. Mm -hmm. It kind of reminds me of like we played Sabotage and we were on team versus team. We had a lot of questions, but like you couldn't ask them. You couldn't really ask them. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's it's and I think we said the same with Root. It's like it's just hard. I think the one good thing about our group, though, is, you know, while we are somewhat competitive and that we do want to win, like I I, like if somebody wants to ask for help, like I have no problems with, you know, stopping the game, figuring out what we need and like offering advice so that everybody because like my goal when playing these games is not to win. I just want everybody to have fun. Right. We've seen it on other episodes where like I've really enjoyed a game but I haven't enjoyed the experience because I felt like you guys weren't having fun. Right. And so that's what, you know, I don't want to say that's what killed it for me, but like, <laughs> I don't want to have another experience or play a game again. If I know that the people that I want to play games with didn't right. enjoy it or didn't have a good time. Cause that's my goal. Just yeah. have a good time. I don't care who wins. Uh, I, I'd be no one play it again. Okay. Um, not surprising. Um, <laughs> th- thematically, obviously, I don't really know Robotech, so it, I'm not really the the audience for it. Uh, I I didn't think that really went against it, um, but I'm I could see how other themes that I can't think of any, but I, I'm sure there's probably some other ones that might be more appealing to me if it were you know a show or IP that I I am a fan of. Um, mechanically, like I said, I think it does a lot of cool stuff. I I think. Like the cards were really good. I don't even really remember the card play in Root, but this was much more interesting mm-hmm. in terms of that. Area control, like I said, I, I like that it wasn't just a combat war game. I like that it felt more like a, maybe a political game. I don't know how to categorize that. But so I, I thought that was all really interesting. I just I think I'm like oh for 30 on on these sorts of uh uh map control games. So I think they're just they're not up my alley, but uh yeah kiwi yeah i would play again i I think this is one of those games where i really like all the mechanics i feel like i probably liked it more than i liked root um but i still think i said i would play root again um obviously i i really enjoy robotech so like that game fitting into that universe was really great i think the only thing that's going to definitely keep it out of our collection is the weird player count. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, yeah. in the house here, unless we're playing with you guys, we typically only play two player games. So a game that doesn't work for two players yeah. doesn't really work in our house. Cause we can, I don't know if we get the kid on this one. And even then, like I, I'm not super keen on playing games that have a bot mm-hmm. um, just cause That's I true. feel like it does. It doesn't feel the same. I would rather, you know, if I play this game, it will be with four players. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm a yes, but, um, I guess with reservations, like I, I wouldn't like go and search, I like, I'm not going to go pre-order it. Um, right. but I, I feel like I liked it more than root. And I think that's a big thing. Cause like we've, I have game of Thrones that <laughs> we've been trying to play, but I don't want to play without the full player count. Cause I just don't think it's, it's the same experience, but getting the full player count is, um, what's the full player count? I think it's like six. six. I think. Hmm. We can do, but we just haven't done it yet because it's also like a, a dedicated night of mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. So, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, that was uh, Robotech Reconstruction. <laughs> 
So if you have any recommendations of games you would like to hear our impressions on, just send them our way. Uh, you can find us on the Gmail, First Turn Tabletop at Gmail, or Twitter and Instagram, First Turn Cast. And our podcasting camel says he's in a pod. Yeah. In a pod, sure. Yeah, yeah. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcatchers. I don't know why it yeah, sounds like that. I don't know. <laughs> we look Need forward to hearing from you. Play more games. Yeah.